it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Credit Union helps you take control of your finances after the holidays. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. How's everybody doing today? I'm having an awesome day. How's yours? It's good, man. Had some Mexican food for lunch down in Magnolia. Tell me about it. So I did the uh, Tex-Mex combo, tamale, enchilada, and chicken fajita. And dude, so good. What was the name of it? Tex-Mex combo. What was that place called? No, Rancho, no. Rancho, Rancho, Rancho Grande. Grande. Rancho Grande? Rancho. Rancho. Rancho there you Grande. go. There you go. <laughs> hey, we got a great Patreon question for the day. Have you ever dined and dashed at a restaurant? Oh, dude. Straight on the call out. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that You're asking if I ever broke the me? law, right? Yes, straight, straight out of the bat, man, huh? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not proud of it. I, I think it happened a time or two. Young, young kids, dumb, and just, you know, did it. Didn't think of the consequences. But sure. Yeah, been there. All right, I'm going to always err on the side of that I did it. Even if I don't really remember something. Sometimes I was in dining, and then we had to run the hell out of there because of whatever fight ensued or ha- whatever happened. So technically, yeah, you know, I think we might be safe on this one. Yeah, yeah. if you don't remember it, did it really count? I don't know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, yes. You know, as young as youngerlings, younger youngerlings. Hey, that's a great Patreon question today. Thanks for throwing us under the bus is with it? that one. Yeah, I think so. Is I it? think it's great because they really get to know you. Yeah, well, we're doing that. They're doing that now. Hey, if you guys want to check us out on Patreon, it's Patreon.com/slash Team Never Quit. We've got some exclusive access behind the scenes merch, a challenge coin, all kind of other cool stuff. But we've got. Oh, a, I got it. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. All right. The best one I, that we ever pulled off was in Vegas because we didn't have, I was so, was, my buddy got married when we were still in college, we were like 20 something years old, and I didn't have enough money for the plane ticket or anything like that. So we, somebody paid for me to get out there. Then we all stayed, it was, must have been 20 of us, and we split one hotel room. So as you can imagine, we weren't planning on sleeping. So we didn't have enough money to drink, so we would go into every casino. And sit down and act like we were playing slots. Yeah. And then when the waitress would walk up, you yeah, know, get free drinks. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And then we'd, we'd order some other stuff up as well. And then as soon as she brought it over and drop it off, then we'd be like, hey, our buddy just showed up. Can you bring him some stuff? And when she left, then we'd all ask. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and me and my partner, we robbed every casino in Vegas. Oh, God. <laughs> of some alcohol. 
Oh my gosh. That's the best one I got. That's good. That's right. real good. It is out in the world now. You ready for that? Was, yeah, I couldn't. That was kind of like gangster. That was very that? gangster yeah. of you. <laughs> Hey, guys, we've got a great guest in store today. Matt Frazier is a retired Canadian-American professional CrossFit athlete competing from 2014 to 2020. Frazier is the first athlete to have won five CrossFit Games titles consecutively. He's widely considered to be the most dominant ever male athlete in the sport of CrossFit. Matt has a background in Olympic weightlifting and was a junior national champion. Matt, welcome to the show, man. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a long, long time in the making. Where are you at right now? We are, uh, we're in Salt Lake City right now. Uh, we're posted up here for like two, two and a half weeks, but we got like, I think, I think we're just over a month on the road. We got like three or four stops, but Salt Lake was the place where like, all right, we're just gonna get, get a house. And like, that's where all our people are coming in to do, do a bunch of work, have some fun, but yeah, just a fun, fun place. I always enjoy my time here. All right. So you're not in the grind or you kind of are in the grind. What about the holidays? Did you get doing anything cool? Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving is uh, Sammy's family. That's like their right. their holiday. Um, so it's like always go down to her family. Big, big, you know, just just a whole day with the family. Lots of food, but mostly just hanging out. Yeah. Um, and I think this year we are going to get home for Christmas. Um, but it's like we get home like a couple days prior, so it's just going to be Sammy and I for a couple days. Y'all normally do a big family thing. We do for Thanksgiving, man. Christmas, we're, we're kind of hashing that out as well. Melanie and I are talking and what we're going to do, because I think we're going down to the grandparents in Louisiana. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of yeah, hashing thank, that out right now. Thanksgiving on, on, on my side of the family, it was never a big thing, because uh, both my parents are Canadian. So, like, Canadians have a different Thanksgiving. And so, you know, my dad would go up to see his family, but my brother and I were still in school. So we would stay home and not celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving. Then American Thanksgiving would come around. We would just kind of load up, go to camp, uh, have some time, time up there. But Sammy's family, you know, it, it's the holiday, you know, it's not, not really materialized. It's all about just spending time together and just sharing a plate. So, so that's like their, their Super Bowl. Um, Man, dude, if, I had any, if I was lucky enough to have any Canadians in my family, I would celebrate every one of those holidays. Yeah, I know. Right. If it was yeah, split down, like that, if I had one of those, I'd be like, I'll be there. Hell yeah. We're partying. Growing up, it was like you're, you're in school. And so it just wasn't, wasn't that big of a thing. Um, and then Christmas, it, Christmas is always super low key for Sam and I, you know, we, we don't really do gifts. We don't really do any of that stuff. You know, it's just about like a day together. Uh, we have a couple fun traditions, but it's more just like a quiet day at home. Just the two of us, uh, you know, always working, always traveling. So it's like any opportunity we have to like have an excuse to just be home and, Nobody else is working, so we don't get any calls. So it's nice. Oh man! Well, here's the deal. I, when when I was still doing all the traveling, especially before the kids came in, when it, when it was just mm -hmm. me, you know, when we're alone, that's that's a thing too. But when you're traveling, when there's two of you still traveling, you can get you can always be on the road. And we were too. And then when the kids come online, all all those travels that you went on, and all those little uh, customs and traditions that you hear a lot of people having in the family. Bro, once I got my kids online, I started so many traditions. I, I write them down just yeah. to throw a lot of them to see which ones stick. Yeah. yeah. I tell, oh, here's another thing. I tell a lot. I'm like, hey, man, a lot of this has been in our family for a long, long time because some of it has. And then some of it has been somebody else's family for a long, long time. But the tradition is still important. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, we, yeah, we get, we have fun. I griswold the outside of the house. I mean, light everything up just, just to have something to do to pass down for the kids. And also, that's not, that's a, 
don't worry about that, man. That comes later, bro. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're the two of us, we're, uh, we're no kids so far. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to have the freedom of like, you know, an opportunity comes up and it's just like, yeah, we'll hop on a plane tonight. You know, like there's no accountability to anything like that. So we, we can, but I think, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where like we value our time at home more. And oh, more well, that's how you know, more. that's the, that's how and you know there's like, a shift. Yeah. And you know, it was always something I wanted to of like, I never wanted, I never wanted the, a household that I that like I counted down the days to my vacation. I didn't want to count down the days till I can go to Mexico or go wherever it is for a vacation. But no, I want, I want my home to be a place that I want to be. Yeah. And, and now, you know, it just travels crazy. I it's bet. like, you can be on the road 300 days a year yeah, like that. And so it's like, we're, you know, we, whenever we do trips, we try to lump them all together. So we piggyback them all and just knock them all out at once. Then we get a good stint at home. But Man, it, it gets, it wears on you. That's why it's good to have somebody to roll with. I am grateful for that every day. You know, it's just like, there's no road trip too long. If you have a good, like, if you have a fun person in the car. That's what, yeah, absolutely. And, and I've like, I am grateful all the time. And I vocalize it to Sammy every trip around. I'm like, how, how lucky are we? And, you know, luck, luck had nothing to do with it, but it's like how grateful I, I want to like voice my gratefulness to her of like, man, we get to do all this shit together. Fuck. Yeah. You know, cause I I've been on trips before, like the beautiful landmark, you know, it's supposed to be breathtaking. You're doing it by yourself and you're like, this means nothing. <laughs> right. Uh, man, when you're by then, yourself, it's, 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 it's not that it's not cool and you can't appreciate it, but it's, I think having someone next to you helps you because you, you also appreciate it from their perspective. Is that like you, like when you're doing it alone, you're just not sharing it with anyone. Yep. And it, like, it's the same with, I mean, it applies to so many things. So like you can have this, a big, beautiful house and it's like, all right, well, this sucks. If you're by yourself, it's just a big empty house. But as soon as you share it with someone, you know, going on trips, going on adventures, going through highs and lows it it's all better with someone so i'm i'm so grateful that i have someone that like a i love but then b i'm friends with yeah and oh, yeah and get to just like just go on this crazy fucking adventure with and even if it's a terrible time we'll we'll laugh about it down the road you yeah. know it'll just be like kind of a laugh at my misery type of story but yeah the best is when the, the reminders that it happened I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, yeah. they, you know what I'm talking about? I have the, I have the memory of a goldfish. And so, you know, like on some of that Sam, stuff, Sam, yeah. Sammy will bring up, bring up a memory. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she'll like, have to like, you know, that time we were in Brazil, it was when we, on this, this excursion, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. You know, dude, for me, it's like, I just, I have the memory of a goldfish. It goes in one ear out the other. And it's like, all right, I got someone keeping, keeping me in line. Matt, you got to take us way back, though, man. Were you always athletic guy, like from the childhood? Uh, I would like to think so. You know, I'm, I'm maybe if you talk to some of my like sports coaches when I was in third grade, they might have something different to say. But, um, you know, I was—I don't want to say I was left unsupervised, but I had a—I had a father that encouraged me to try try things. Um, you know stay at home dad. And you got a couple of trampolines in the backyard. You start doing some, some reckless shit. Um, 
but yeah, you know, always involved in sports, you know, whether it's skiing, soccer, football, um, got into weightlifting at a pretty young age, but, um, you know, was I, I probably wasn't the most naturally gifted athlete. I always had incredible body coordination and I was always like the strong one in the group. Um, so, you know, basically anything I tried, if I had an interest in it, I could pursue it and do okay. Um, but you know, I didn't, I think I was explain that. Explain that part. I mean, we because being good at something, some people. I was, I was talking with uh, somebody the other day about man. Hey, the the difference between the let's say the greatest fighter ever and the best fighter ever, or the greatest yeah. athlete ever and the best athlete ever. And some people are like, yeah, there's you know, no difference. They, I'm like, well, yeah, man, there kind of is, right? There's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had it. You know. From from the two sports that I took seriously, you know, I competed in Olympic style weightlifting for you know about ten years, and then obviously had my career in CrossFit. Um, in both of those, you know, I never looked at it like as if I'm like the most naturally gifted. You know, not at all. Like my first day in both of those sports, my first couple of years in both of those sports, like people were whooping on me. Um, but it was you know, once I decided like, okay, I enjoy this and it's not just the instant gratification of I'm good at this and I'm getting pats on the back, but like, there's something about it that clicks and I enjoy it. If I'm going to pursue it, I can, I have the physical and mental capabilities to, to, you know, tap my full potential. Um, so, you know, like with weightlifting, you know, I walked in, walked into the, the weight room that, that I started Olympic lifting in when I think I was about 12 and you know, there, there are other kids my age, my weight that were out lifting me that were catching on to the technique, uh, you know, more naturally, um, you know, they needed less and less coaching cues, but like, well, once I decided, Oh, I like this, well, I'm going to work my ass off. You know, this is something that I, this is something that I want. So I'm going to make sure that I get it. Um, and same, same thing with, same thing with CrossFit. You know, when I first, my, my first day in a CrossFit gym, I remember getting dusted by this dude, you know, he had to be, early to mid fifties, a little bit overweight. And when it came to the running portion of the workout, he just like cooked by me. And so it was like, I was good at some things, but I was terrible at others. But it, you know, once like I went to a competition and I think I, I took fifth place and, uh, and I was like, all right, I don't like that. And so what, the day I made the decision, like, okay, I want to be good at this. It was like, okay, I'm going to figure out I'm going to learn what I don't know and then fucking hammer it until I'm great at it. Let me ask you this. When you first get into something, whether it's the CrossFit or the lifting or just, I guess, life itself, because eventually you turn into it. But were you the type mm -hmm. that, that, that when, you, when you went into the gym, did you go into so you could lift heavier weights? or with, And did the guys that were in there lifting heavier, are they the ones that drove that for you to lift heavy? Like, was it competition between yourself or the other people or both? Because I, I look at some of the things that I do, and I'm like, man, the only reason I do that and get good at it is so I can do it with my boy, you know, with the guys and, mm -hmm. and, and the team environment. And then there's the things that you get proficient at that are different. Like, you you love it. It's like a – the more you do it, the more you want to do it. Yeah. You know, I've always counted myself very – very blessed in the fact that like, I think I have both of those. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, so both, so a little bit of background, both my parents were competitive figure skaters. They That's were right. Paris freestyle figure skaters. That's right. I remember you uh, telling me that, man. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they went, they went to the 76 Olympics and, you know, 
So incredibly athletic, incredibly gifted, and they work their ass off. Um, but my mom was more, more along the lines of like work when nobody's looking like she's doing it. She loves a hard day's work. Um, and she's great at it. She dedicates herself to it and she wants to be the best. And so that was like the work in silence and then kind of appear in the public eye, do your thing and then kind of go back. Um, and then my dad was like polar opposite. My dad hated training and, but he was performer when he had another set of eyes on him. He, he loved to perform. Uh, when he had a resentment against another competitor or something like that, he was like, oh, okay, like I'm going to beat you. That's, that's going to be my, my success. And, uh, I and can't so believe I forgot I, I got, about that, I man. Got the, the best of both worlds. And yeah, so, yeah. You know, I love like when, when I have a home gym and like, I would go in and I'm like, all right, this is the ideal situation. Cause I don't have to share equipment with anyone. I don't have to wait on a training partner. I don't have to listen to, I don't have to do what the coach is saying. I can do exactly what I know I need to be doing. Uh, I can be on my own schedule. I have all access to everything I need, but then also when I go into the gym or in a competition and there's, there's other eyes on me. Now I get to race someone else. Now I get to show off a little bit. I get to show off what I built in silence, in the darkness yeah. and like, bring it out so i love genuinely love both both scenarios i tell you what man coming up i was the same way I, I i like to get proficient at something but before you go out and you try and tackle it in the in the public and then oh, there's yeah. the people I mean, who react yeah, I mean, better try, with that trying like, to learn something it's, yeah it's, trying it's, to learn something know, exactly. when there's people over your shoulder it's like yo, it's impossible like, <laughs> that's impossible right uh, yeah i i had that a lot through my career of like you know, anytime there was something I was, wasn't proficient in or as a weakness, I would, I would seek out a professional or seek out advice of like, show me how to do this. And a lot of the times, you know, that you, you have a group, you have to travel or they have to travel all this stuff. And I'd have them, I would have the person show me, or I would like, you know, read a book or, you know, watch YouTube videos to try to learn how to do this skill. And then like the first time I'm putting my hands on it, I would literally be like, okay, like everyone go away like go away for an hour or I'll go away for an hour. Let me practice this a little bit on my own. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking out the variable of other people's judgment or like other people's critiques. Cause I want to learn by having my hands on. Yeah. And, and so I remember like there was one, uh, one event from uh, one year competition. So it was the second time I took second place at, at the CrossFit games. And there was one piece of equipment it was called the pig. And it was just like a, it was basically like a solid refrigerator. It was like five, 600 pounds. And you just had to flip it end over end. And it bundled me. If I couldn't figure out the technique, uh, did terrible in the event. And it essentially cost me, cost me the, the competition. Um, but anyways, right after the competition, I was like, I'm going to get that piece of equipment. I'm going to become amazing at it. So next time it comes up, I'm prepared. Right. And this thing gets delivered. And it's like, it's in a busy gym, you know, there's 40, 50 people around at all times. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to practice this in front of everyone. Cause then you're going to get all the critiques from other people that also have no idea what they're doing. It's the pride. It's the ego of like, I don't want to look vulnerable in front of other people. So it's like, I remember going in 
like every Sunday night gym would be closed. I would, I would go in, flick on like the one light in the back room and just flip it over and over and over. And it was just like, I was by myself, like no one there to pat me on the ass, no one there to criticize me. I was like, no, I want to be alone with my thoughts and figure this thing out. And, and that, that's how I like to tackle a lot of things of like, if I need help, I'll go searching for it. Um, but when I'm trying to figure it out for the first time, I just need some time by myself. Yeah. It's, it's almost as trying to figure yourself into whatever it is, not the other way around. I, I, I do it that way as well, which is kind of crazy. Cause once we got into the teams, everything we do is from the ground up. Like we learn how to move and shoot and, and do everything together. But before you, <clears throat> before we did that, we obviously had to be individually trained for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, doing things as a team and doing things individually are two completely That's completely different. different. That's, yeah. That's completely and different. Yeah. That's I've, I've always stayed on the individual side. Um, Cause you know, it's, I'm, I'm willing to bet like in your scenario, that's one of the rare scenarios where you're around as, as like-minded people as yourself. Like they, they probably don't make the cut if they're not. Right. So the way uh, I, I, right? I like, well, that's, that's funny you bring that up. Cause just, just the other day, I, I think about that. People ask me that question and it's almost as if they throw us into a scenario, take, take one guy from each walk of life. Like the thing's completely different in everything and put us <laughs> into a scenario where we, we want to be in there, but we get it. We're getting our asses kicked so bad. And it, this is the craziest part. So we, You'll be laying there going through something like, man, I'm suffering. This is terrible. What's up? And you'll roll over and look at your buddy, and you can tell he's just not having a good time, right? He's just miserable as shit. And that somehow, some way, fires you up, all right? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, man, I just want to be here for this guy so I can watch him because he makes me laugh. But then he's willing to sit here beside me and go through this crap together. Yeah, absolutely. And then so what happens is, is our egos clash together and then be like, just kind of leave. And then you got what's, what's left. So yeah. we learn how to operate inside that that kind of that realm. All it doesn't matter how alpha the male, the apex predators, man. Once we became a pact, like what, like when we packed up and they started, we started moving together. Well, I mean, y'all see the results now. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of unstoppable. So the train we we talked about this, man. We do the same, the CrossFit and all that stuff. All the guys are huge into that. I mean, we, we mm -hmm. have guys who just study physics all day, and then we got guys in in your world too. So. <laughs> <laughs> that that is uh that is a difference they they can clash but moreover yeah. not let's take a second to it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. I've always steered toward individual sports because it's like, if your outcome is, is determined by one person that isn't as dedicated as, as you, or doesn't care as much as you, it, it, it fucks up everyone's effort. It doesn't matter how hard you try. If that, if that guy's not holding up his responsibility, it's, it's wasted, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I've always just looked at what you guys did. and was like, wow, that's, that's incredible that there's that many like-minded people that boom, come together. Yeah. Oh, trust me. It's, it's there for a reason. <laughs> and that's not, it took a while to build that program. We cop all, all the time. Like, how in the heck did you, did that create that? And like, man, you know, there's a lot. we kind of had an yeah, idea. It worked, worked out somehow. Yeah. It, right. You can put it together and how, it, the, like the concept came together, but what it produces is something completely different. Like yeah. the, the, the program that you, the CrossFit, I mean, it started out as one thing. I'm sure now it means something completely different to you. Right. I mean, the um, way you, the way you think, the way you move, just just doing being at that level of of athletic performance all the time the people that you're all around all the time i mean just all the stuff coming out of your mouth motivational yeah i mean in in some ways yes in some ways no um you know like there, there are some things that i learned along the way but like you know the the competitive drive the mentality the dedication um things things that kind of are more life traits I, I kind of already had those because I, I already like before I got into CrossFit, I already had a sports career that, you know, just knocked me on my ass. And like, I didn't have a choice. I was either roll over and die or get up and, you know, keep doing it. Um, so, you know, I already learned some incredibly valuable life lessons prior to getting in CrossFit. And so, you know, CrossFit was just kind of a bonus. I thought my sports career was, was over and done with. And then like, after a year of doing nothing, started kind of dabbling with CrossFit. And then I was in school full-time and, uh, you know, was just doing it just kind of, you know, I gained, gained a bit of weight after I retired from weightlifting and, you know, just had a tough time meeting people at school. And so it's just like, all right, this is my outlet. This is where, you know, I'm going to shed off a bit of this way. I get to meet, meet some like-minded people. And then the whole competition thing kind of happened, um, I don't want to say by mistake, but you know, the gym owner saw the potential in me and wanted me to compete in a competition. I was like, I, I don't have the money for the sign up fee. And so he's like, all right, I'll, I'll sign you up. But if you win, you have to buy some CrossFit shoes. And I was like, okay, cool deal. And then I won and it was, you know, it was a couple hundred bucks. And I went like, holy shit. Like, did you win or did you like, did to dominate the whole program? Um, it, I think it was, I think it was only a one day event and I'm pretty sure I had the competition one, uh, before the final event. So I went into the final, like the last event of the day, already having it wrapped up. Um, but it definitely wasn't like a domination, right. you know, because it was like, I was so new, you know, like I didn't have a set of lungs on me to save my life. I was strong as hell, but, uh, but that's about where it ended. And, uh, but, you know, it was after that once I was like, oh, man, I can make some pocket money while I'm in school. Okay. Like, 
And so I started like looking up other competitions that, and if, it, if there was like a thousand bucks on the line, I was there. And I looked at it, I looked at it like a part-time job of like, all right, if I want to perform better at work, I need to get better at rowing. I need to get better at biking. I need to get better at weight, like whatever it was. And it was all with the intent of like going to that competition and performing better so that I could like have some pocket money. Yeah. So the difference between when you guys step in there for the competition, that's when you're in the gym working out, I mean, you guys press yourself just as hard. Is there a, what's that like? Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to training, you know, it, you have to look at it over the long haul. It wasn't, if, if I trained every day, the way I competed, you know, I'd, I, I would have broken four years ago. So, you know, it's, it's training absolute max effort today, which still allows me to train tomorrow and the next day, you know? So we all, I always trained in like usually about three day, three day intervals, um, and then it depends on what time in the season, you know, I was one of the few athletes that actually took an off season. Um, you know, I would take a full month off after competition and you're physically recovered, you know, after, you know, five days a week, maybe. Um, but then it's just a mental break after that, you know, it's stepping away, stepping away from, you know, the physical demands. Um, but like the mental stress of like, Oh fuck, I have to do rowing intervals today. And basically like, you know, your cardio session was a, you can put your stamp on it. Once you're gasping for air, you're, you're tasting pennies. You feel like your lungs are bleeding. Um, and it's like, okay, I did everything I could today. Like I'll come back tomorrow and do it again. Um, so just to so explain yeah, CrossFit know. a little bit better, because when, when you watch the CrossFit games, I guess, I mean, it's almost like watching the best in the world work out at the same time in y'all's gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a huge difference. It, when people watch that, it gets terrifying. I mean, to just to even think about getting in CrossFit, your normal person to be terrified to walk into the gym. To get in there and yeah, work I'm, out is actually a good time. I mean, when you when we explain it like this, when we're talking about the games, like, man, this sucks, and rowing, it was kicks your ass. I'm like, man, a normal CrossFit gym member to go in there, it's it's a good time. I mean, it's a good workout. Yeah. I mean, I've I've said it, I've said it for years, you know, like I've had friends that that, oh, I love watching the movie that comes out every year. I love watching the competition. I, I could never do that though. And it's like, all right, but like what, what I do and what CrossFit is are two completely different things. Like the, the sport across it, like you go into a CrossFit gym and it's like a one hour start to finish infinitely scalable. Um, like it's no matter what your fitness is or what your, you know, limiting factors are, there's something there for you. You know, like my mom is 66 and, and she goes to CrossFit every morning, like every morning. And, uh, and then, you know, you got me who I'm like, okay, that one hour, that's not what I'm training for. I'm not training for, uh, to be fitter for life. I'm training to compete. In a game, right? And so it's like, I'm not leaving any stone unturned. So, you know, anything and everything that can show up in competition, you know, there's the, the typical things, you know, there's the conditioning, the weightlifting, gymnastics, but then you're getting into these even more specific skills of a combining all these different things, um, training anything from a 10 second workout to a three hour workout, which we've done and seen both. Um, but then also like the stuff, like having to practice biathlon shooting, having to practice getting in, in a rowboat, you know, road bike, like, like all these specialty things. It's like, yeah, a regular CrossFit gym, you're not going to be going to the lake to get and, and learn how to skull. 
but it's like it might show up for me so i gotta practice yeah right it's got like a universal soldier program you guys are starting up there because i mean <laughs> I what, trying, I guess. you know what i mean every day <laughs> Every time I hear some new added to it, and there is, there's a huge difference. It's like watching professional basketball and watching those guys and being scared to go play on a court just because you might run into them. I mean, that's, that's it, not exactly. the case, right? You know, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not watching um, like a UFC fight and going like, oh man, I can never try, try BJJ because like, I'm going to get my ass kicked by one of those guys. It's like, no, absolutely not. Like I'm going to start out at a, at an introductory level and then build up as high as I want to go, you know? So it's like, yeah, you know, it's, they're, they're two separate things. Um, we're just doing the one to the absolute extreme where it's a, it's a full-time job day in, day out. And then the other version is one hour from walking in the door to walking out one hour and you're done. Sure. Help me. i I would break it down for some of the people when they come in. I'm like, hey, just just showing up for a few minutes and looking in there. Just it's a routine. It's a pattern. If you can't do something, or if you don't think you're proficient at it, start with the basics. When I would Dude. try to heal myself, I was like, hey man, let's do one push up. If just every morning you get down to one push up, eventually you'll start doing two. Mm-hmm. But you can all everyone yep. can do one, and it, it literally starts like that. Just and and the the guys like with you and the guys the program that that I went with on the opposite side that with the team up guys. That that part's the same. It's like even when we get beat down, and at that top of top of your game, man, when you're crushing, I mean, you're setting the standards, right? So every time you guys do a new competition, that means they got to come at with something new. Mm-hmm. That's like the Nitro Boys. Every time, <laughs> I think the biggest mistake the Nitro Boys made was they put it on video because you can watch it over and over. And then so everyone's be like, "Hey, what do you got next? What do you? Let me see yeah. something else, man." Exactly what right. What do you got? I mean, and y'all are testing that. Yeah, we just keep well, pushing. I mean, it's, it, it's the same in in every sport you know it's like when uh when the first person like they said the four minute mile was impossible and then as soon as one person did it like people were trying to achieve it for years and no one could do it until one person did it and i i forty thousand don't 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 quote me on this but in that that year 24 26 people then did it no 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 no. look that up and it's more than that bro i i i know exactly what you're talking about and that that's a great point to make everyone had set the standard and then that as soon as that guy got that done as soon as he broke through that line i mean some crazy number yeah uh broke it and then like i i remember uh like growing up like my parents were figure skaters and it was like everyone said like the the quad was impossible it's impossible and then Elvis Stoiko, boom, lands the first quad in competition, and now it's a standard. Um, yeah. And you know, it's no different. It's like in every other sport. And I can't like believe we didn't name I our remember... boat Blades of Glory. By the way, I know, man, right? dude. Why? How did we? How do we miss that one? Whatever we're doing the next, Lotus, the Flying Lotus, man. man. That's impossible. That is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, over fourteen hundred. Yeah, by the way, yeah. Okay, fourteen hundred. Like, yeah. Excuse me. Fifteen hundred. Fourteen hundred people. Yeah. Was that year or since? I don't know about that year since then 1400. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I want to say it was like 20 or 24, or 26. I know that's that like 40,000. That was wrong. But, uh... um, but yeah, like when, when I came into CrossFit, it was, you know, if you snatched two blues, so if you had two blue plates, 225 pounds, uh, if you could snatch that, you were a heavy hitter. If you could clean and jerk 315, you're a heavy hitter, you know, like just one time, right? Like that. What's that? Just doing it one time. Yeah, just just one rep, uh, and and what's uh, it at now? And the, I mean, I remember a couple years ago, 
it, it comes down to like, you know, when the events get programmed into competition. So sometimes we won't see a similar event for, you know, a year or two. Oh, yeah, check. Um, but I remember last time there was like a one rep max snatch. I think there were three or four guys that were taking that made or attempted over a 300 pound snatch. Like early in my career, I snatched 315. Um, but like then, then like the standard, like a couple guys start hitting a 405 clean. And then as soon as one does it, it's like, boop, 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 there's, there's five more magically just hit it. Um, you know, th there's markers like that in every sport and CrossFit. It's like, there are endless variations of benchmarks to, to chase, you know, it's like, it's not like Olympic weightlifting where there's a snatch and clean and jerk. And then you combine those, you get a total, um, where like track and field, it's like you maybe run a couple different events, but usually like if you're a 1500 meter specialist or a hundred meter specialist, that's all you do yeah. in CrossFit it is that there are endless benchmarks and so it's it's kind of rewarding in a way of like you can always progress in something else there's so many different things to be hitting at at the end of the day though like it, it can be frustrating too if sure. you're like no, I man. Want in to, the nation everyone's wanna... coming for you man everyone's coming What's for that? your everyone's coming after your job right you, if you're sitting on the top like that in the in the crossfit yeah. nation oh yeah yeah i mean in in some ways yes in other ways like you go you win it one season the next season starts a couple months later, like the games, I think usually ended like early August. And then the, the start of the next season starts usually February. And, and you go into that next season with a clean slate, you have to sign up the same as everyone else. You don't get a buy. Uh, never, that's pass. never changed. They'll keep it like that. Yeah. You got to uh, keep going through, right? Signs of it changing. I don't no, think no, there's any I, sign yeah, of it. Yeah, probably wouldn't. That That's probably the, one of the best things. If it started in there like that, it'll probably stay like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like there's always been debate on like, all right, if you won the games or if you're top five the year prior, you know, should you get a pass in because it, it ends up being a long season. Sure. You know, I, I've had it where it's like you take a month off and then you're right back into it. Um, and then, you know, if you have to hit other competitions throughout the season to qualify or whatever, the, they change, change it every year of how you qualify. Um, but yeah, there's always debate going back and forth. I don't think there's any sign of it changing. I think it doesn't matter if you want well, it. Oh man, you know what that also does. Times, you're, that... Start, you're starting from the same point as everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you stayed at the at the spot you did for as long as you did, that sets a, a hard standard, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're still here whipping everybody's ass. That that that's a big deal. That was, was man, when, being it set yeah. up like that. That's what that produces. So there won't be any question. Yeah. Like later down the road, it won't be any question who in the hell was, was the top dog back then. I'd say, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Many people might not know this about you, but when you were younger, around 10, I think, you struggled with some stuff that could have kind of gotten you in your own way. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Yeah, you know, like I, I always talk about, you know, like it's very easy to just paint it with a broad brush of like, ah, you know, I was young and dumb. Um, and I think it, it all comes down to, you know, your own experience of one person's uh, interpretation of young and dumb might be a little bit different than others. And, you know, I thought my childhood, I, I thought my teen years were very normal because for the little network that I was in, they were pretty normal, but just in terms of, uh, you where'd, know, you just, gr- where'd you grow just up? Do, uh, I grew up in Vermont. But it was just, you know, like kind of what we were exposed to. And there's a couple of like uh, circumstances that, you know, introduced us to drugs and alcohol at a at an incredibly young age. You know, I thought I was, you know, I I figured I thought it was normal, you know, because I was with friends and they were all doing the same same shit I was doing. But it was actually kind of funny. It was a couple of years ago. My uh, one of my best friends, you know, his daughter came in and he's like, Oh, you know, this is, she's going into fourth grade, starting fourth grade tomorrow. I was like, Oh, you concerned about drugs? Like he had those talks with her and he was like, what? Absolutely not. Why would I do that? I'm like, Oh, it's when I started experimenting with drugs. And he's like, are you, he's like, dude, she still colors in a coloring book. Why would she be worried about that? Or why should I be worried? I was like, Oh, I didn't realize. Um, so, you know, like it was just, uh, you know, alcoholism runs my family. Um, and you know, it didn't, it didn't skip me. So, you know, uh, I, I partook and, you know, I took a couple of licks, got in some trouble. And it's one of those things that like, okay, not every time I drank, I got in trouble, but every time I got in trouble, I had been drinking and, uh, touche. Touche. It was just one of those things like it was, it was all dumb stuff. Like just bonehead things I got in trouble with. And, uh, you know, I had been, I had been, uh, scouted by the coach out of the Olympic training center. You know, I competed in Olympic weightlifting. I had an offer to go out to the Olympic training center to live there, train there, go to school there. And, uh, you know, just got arrested one too many times and just all for dumb shit. And, you know, I just, I mean, I had to be, I think I was 17 and I finally had a moment where I was like, like, what am I risking this golden opportunity for? Like, you can't train at a better place. You can't have better resources. And like, and then add on top of it, like, you know, the facility, the the paid, like a scholarship for school, all this stuff. And I was like, and I'm, I'm risking it all just to fuck around with my friends and over stuff that doesn't matter. And, uh, and, you know, the writing was on the wall, you know, alcoholism runs in my family and, you know, I had the resources right there to clean up my act. I had the network of friends that I could kind of let go of this network of friends and, and start hanging out with this one more and more. Um, you know, like my, my dad always encouraged me, uh, to, to like, just hang out with sober people. Um, you know, he had a whole sober network of friends, some of that were closer to my age. And he always pushed me to hang out with these go hang out with Nate, go hang out with Nate. And he was a super fun guy. And, you know, I never even really connected the dots of why my dad wanted me to hang out with this guy. Like when you're 14 and your dad's telling you, Hey, go hang out with this guy. That's 21 or 23. And I'm like, that's weird, but it's cool. Like this guy has his own car and all this stuff. And 
what once I was a bit older, I pieced the piece the DOS together and uh and realized like, oh, my dad knew Nate from being sober, and he knew that if I was with Nate, I wouldn't be drinking or drugging. Um, so you know, the transition for me of you know, just going from like a little hooligan to you know, just being sober and actually kind of taking care of my own shit. It was pretty simple because I already had the network. I already had the resources. I already had the friends set up. So I, I was 17. It was the my last day of summer vacation before my senior year um, was the last time I got arrested, um, you know, and just dumb shit, just drinking with friends, got an underage drinking citation. And, um, you know, it was that time that I was like, all right, I'm done with that shit. Like, this is going nowhere good. It's going nowhere productive. Um, and so I... Yeah, cleaned it up and like, bro, man, right, cool. seventeen must have been the age back then because that's we went through that as well, and it was like a competition. Yeah. Say mischief, we were just it was just mischief. Like we were, like Dude, so they caused the good old boys. Like man, y'all didn't want us in the house and like get outside, and we did, and then we would cut up, and um, oh yeah, and, yeah, like, was, you run all those in like, increments, man. Those you know, are my, my my neighborhood. It was just there. There was like fifteen or twenty kids all around the same age, and then of course like. It, it was still during the era, like before cell phones, before computers. And it was like, you, you ride your bike around the neighborhood and then you find the house where all the bikes are in front of the house. Well, that's where, that's where everyone is. Yep. And, uh, and then once enough kids do that and then the parent comes in and they're like, nope, out. Like I got 20 kids out, get out of my house. Yep. So you hang it outside and then it's only a matter of time before someone like sneaks a, a cigarette and someone sneaks a beer and then it just escalates and, you're playing with fire and uh, yeah, for whatever reason, whatever, you know, series of events that occurred that, you know, the network of friends that I was in, we, we, we indulged and <laughs> got aggressive. Um, you know, so I'm thankful that like I was able to get out so young because, you know, like new England, like we got swept with like just this opioid pandemic and, and I'm just so grateful, like, man, thank God I got out when I did, because I'm just watching these friends that it was, it was just dumb schoolyard shit. Yeah. And then watching them, like it progressed and progressed and progressed to the point that they're, you know, you're dealing now with real life problems, not just being an inconvenience or getting in trouble, like here and there, a slap on the wrist. You're dealing with like life and death stuff. And now it's like, oof, okay, this is, this is real. So, yeah, that was definitely you know, I got out when I did. I'm thankful for it. Uh, it's definitely life's a little bit better now. It's a little, uh, not, not quite as chaotic. Well, that's relative, right? It depends. On what, what, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, it's the lessons now. That's what I was kind of getting into earlier, man. You get, you, as you progress through the ages rank, man, the more situations mm -hmm. you find ourselves in, the more you find yourselves in. I never thought in, in a million years, me and you would be ra racing together out in Florida. I mean, I just, that wasn't in, <laughs> Where does it even come from, right? And then, yeah, try, yeah, try trying to explain that to one that one. Like when I'm like talking to my dad or something, I'm like, hey, he's like, oh, where are you at? I'm like, I'm in Tampa. Yeah. He's like, oh, what are you doing in Tampa? I'm like, oh, racing a boat. Race, who are you with? Like, and I was trying to name it. I'm like, man, you're not I don't even know how they put this stuff together, but they do. So well. yeah, some someone made the mistake of giving us keys to this boat, and it's gonna get it's gonna get reckless. Oh, so much fun, man. <laughs> That was a go. I'm about to thank my wife again for letting me go play on that sucker, man. <laughs> now, you broke your back, too, when you were pretty young. How did that affect your Olympic career and kind of where you're at now? Yeah. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I broke my back in two spots. Um, yeah. So that was, um, you know, it was, I had moved out to the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. Um, you know, I was 18 and, you know, I was pursuing my Olympic dream, you know, like, um, I, both my parents were Olympians. I wanted to become an Olympian and I wanted it to become like this, like family tradition that like each generation has an Olympian in it. And, uh, are there any families like that, that you know of, um, since you're, you've come from that, that world? I mean, there, there has to be right. right. Like, I, I know there's like, like father son duos in the NBA and sure. NFL. Well, like I, that's that what I'm talking about. Right. Like there's, I wonder if there's a pass down in a family with, uh, with one of the sports in there was like, Hey man, this is kind of what we do in this family. It's just, yeah, it's understood. Yeah. Maybe I think when I was at the training center, I think there was a, a family in judo. Yeah. That's that kind of stuff I'm talking it about. Like, It'd be something like, like that. Right. You, basically. And it was like a giveaway. Like if you had this last name, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're good. Yeah, to go. You got to tune up on some fools. Right. Um, awesome. But yeah, so I, I was living in the Olympic training center, you know, just like soul focus, 18 years old, like I didn't care about anything else. What's that, that world and like? The, What's that like, man? Is that like being in a, like signing up in the barracks? You get up regimented this morning. You're eating at this time. Man, um, no, like there, there was definitely a little more flexibility than that. Chill. But it was um, basically you could do whatever you wanted as long as it didn't interrupt training. So like like I was I was trying to go to college, and and I could only take one maybe two classes a semester because it couldn't interfere with training at all. Um, you know, they kept, they, you had a key card to get everywhere. And, uh, and like, they would see like, okay, like you didn't, you didn't get back to campus. You didn't get back to your dorm until 11 PM. And now you're training this morning. It's shitty. Like, like they, they could, oh, put in like curfews. they could make whatever rules. They oh, wanted right. Yeah, right, right. Um, and so, for, for me, I had nothing else on my plate. Like I was maybe taking like one class at college, like at community college down the road. Um, but all I cared about was training, you know, and, uh, you know, I was just training. Uh, I was lifting too heavy, too often, and uh, just didn't know any better, you know, and I had a coach that was pushing me at the time, you know, he was feeling some pressure from whether it was the Olympic committee or USA weightlifting to, to produce and have results. So when an athlete said like, Hey coach, my knee hurts, my back hurts. There wasn't much sympathy. There wasn't much uh, accommodation. And, and, you know, it started like, Hey coach, my back hurts, my back hurts. And then one day in training, uh, just, just lifting too heavy too often. And, uh, I was doing a clean pull. So it's basically like a deadlift with a big shrug at the top. And, uh, I hit, hit the bar off my hip and then it's just this loud, like big pop. And I just like dropped the bar and froze and it it felt like have you ever had like those heat packs or ice packs like the big green gel things and you click the little metal thing in it yeah and then you could watch it yeah. expand through the whole thing that's what it felt like in my back like i felt this big pop and then it just i felt it just like take over my whole back and uh you know like immediately just stopped at i don't i don't know if i went to the doctor i just like went back up to my dorm and just like didn't show up to practice for a couple of days, couldn't walk for a couple of days and was like, this is bad. Like something happened, everything hurts. Um, and I remember telling my coach like, Hey man, like I, I hurt my back. And he, and he said to me, he was like, there's a difference between pain and injury. 
Yeah. And and he just assumed that I was just young and being a pussy. Um, you know, I was 18, first time away from home. He figured I was looking for for an excuse not to train for a couple of days. And then on top of it, I was on the junior world team and we were leaving for Romania in like a week. And uh, and so it was too late to like call in the alternate. You know, if I, even if I was injured, they can't call on someone a week prior to competition. They're not going to be prepared. Um, and so he was basically like, you have to keep training. And so it's like, fuck, okay. Kept training, like, you know, got back into it, did a couple of days easy. And then the day before uh, leaving, it's like you, you hit like a heavy back squat. You get that stimulus of a super heavy weight a few days before competition. And, uh, and so I remember like going for a max out back squat, hit the bottom of the hole, bottom of the squat, go to bounce out of it. And just like exact same pop, but on the other side. And same thing, just like felt like felt it, the swelling just expanding through my whole, whole lower back. And I'm like, fuck, I leave for Romania like tomorrow. And so went to Romania, uh, tried to compete. And uh, I remember like the team coach out there was like, hey man, like, you know, what, what's your goal for this competition? I was like, I just don't want to bomb out. I want to make at least one lift in the snatch and the clean and jerk numbers. I don't care. I just my first time on a world stage, I don't want to bomb out. And so anyways, did that, went two for six, you know, terrible fucking performance. <laughs> and, uh, and I got back to the States and, and I just put my foot down. I was like, I'm not lifting a, I'm not lifting a fucking thing until I get an x-ray. Like something's wrong on my back. Something is, is fucked up. And, uh, and so anyways, got x-rayed and the doctor was like, oh yeah, here you go. There's a break here and a break here. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like it wasn't just in my head. And, uh, and so, you know, the first, first like, uh, approach to fixing it is they put me in a torso brace and it was like this hard plastic shell that went from like from nipple to hip and it sucked. It was fucking hot Colorado summer and Bro. like, and, and it like pinched my hip. Like I couldn't sit, couldn't sit vertical. Cause it just like dug into my hip bones Anytime I sat down, it just pinched. And then you can't train. You're living at the Olympic Training Center. You're watching all your friends, all your competition, every, everyone training, progressing, competing, hitting PRs. Um, you know, and they're, they're all making these accomplishments. They're qualifying for Pan Ams, qualifying for senior, all these different things. And I have to just fucking sit there and there's nothing I can do. Like there's no rehab I can do to help my bone heal faster. There's no rehab I can do. Like I have to, the best thing to do is leave this thing immobile for four months. And, uh, yeah, so I, I did that. And, uh, and I remember going in, I remember going in for a three month checkup and they're like, "Hey, we're going to leave you in the brace for one more month. Stayed in for another month, go back in. I'm all excited. Like I'm, I already had my first training session planned out for my first day back, everything. And then the doctor was just like, yep, nothing's changed. Like, I was like, what do you mean? Nothing. Like I just did that the most miserable four months of my life for fucking nothing. And he was like, yep, you need surgery. And, uh, you know, so that, that like rocked my world when you're 18, you don't know any better. You haven't been through anything. Um, but you know, it was tough. Like it was like, I I'm watching my lifelong dream just like get stripped away. Um, and then it was like, 
I just didn't want a fusion. I thought if I got fusion, my life, my career would be over. You know, I heard nothing but bad things about it. doctor out in California that he had just signed on with the Olympic Association. Total coincidence that I met this guy. And he was like, oh, I'll, I'll fix your back. I give it a 50-50 shot of working though, because of your age. He was like, if you were 12, it would be a guaranteed fix. And he, he's like, I did it on a 12-year-old. Perfect. I did the surgery on a 24-year-old, 26-year-old. And we knew it wouldn't work, but we were experimenting. So it didn't work. He's like, you're 19. I give it a 50-50 shot if it works. And, uh, so basically what he did, he went in, he rebroke the bones, um, put in two, two plates, six bolts to hold everything in place. And then he's like, now we wait, now we wait to see if this shit heals. And, uh, so, I mean, if I thought the first four months in the brace was bad, this next few months, knowing like not knowing, like I was literally told by the doctor, it's 50, 50, and there's nothing you can do to help it. It's just, if your body takes it or not. And, uh, but yeah, you know, that, that healed up, uh, slow fucking road back. I remember going back in and lifting with a broomstick for the first couple of sessions. Then I remember lifting with an empty barbell and I'm, I'm coming in like, man, I used to snatch 300 pounds. I used to clean a jerk 360. Like I'm lifted with a fucking broomstick. Like this is brutal, bro. I uh, talking about the, that, that brace mojo had my, my brother Morgan, man, when he got at that helicopter crash. We we snuck him out of the hospital after they had the thing, and we we put that brace on him upside down accidentally for like a week, with with oh. him, you know that curved part the bottom that's supposed to go up. And, yeah, 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 it goes yeah, over dude. your ass. And he was like, "Man, this dude, this hurts so bad." And we we're like, "No, no, you're good, man. Suck it up." And uh, holy shit, <laughs> I forgot dude, about so how bad how, ba- how bad those turtle shells. They're terrible, man. I was in one of them. They, suckers. Oh. they suck. And, and it was kind of funny. So like I, I have a shipping container that I own a property that I just store, store a bunch of my shit in. And I was in there looking for a piece of equipment the other day with my buddy. And there oh. the braces sitting on the You still have shelf, that damn thing, man. Like, dude, after living in that thing for four months and the pain and agony it caused me, I was like, I can never throw this thing away. If I'm ever having a shit day, oh, I I'll got, just like I'll just look at that thing, and it's like, all right, you're still young. I got so plenty bad. of those devices now, man. But let me tell you what else happened. <laughs> I literally still get out of bed this the same way that you had to when we were locked up. Mm. Dude, I, I, I mean, I, even if I'm from a dead sleep, I will catch myself doing the whole brace thing, roll like, over, Meg. That that thing, I oh, that that was miserable. I I remember the first couple weeks. So I got I left Colorado. Um. I went, got the surgery in California, went back home for like a week or two. And then I moved to Michigan and, uh, and like, that was where the Olympic education center was. So like they require you to take school full time because I was like, man, I just saw my sports career can end like that. And I need to have an education for when I'm done. And I'm living in a dorm room, sharing a dorm room with another guy. And it was like my first couple of weeks. I couldn't sit myself up in bed. It was like he, my alarm would go off. He would have to get down off the top bunk. 
basically like hug me yeah, 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 and like set me up and turn me. And then I remember like walking to class. I couldn't put a backpack on like my back's fucking broken and I'm in this brace. Like I can't carry a backpack and like Northern Michigan in January. That's yeah, good. Holy time, huh? shit. It's cold. Yeah. And so like I would bundle up, I'd have to leave a class like 20 minutes early because I would have to like shuffle across campus and I would just like take like three pieces of paper, put them in my pocket and a pen in the other pocket. And like, I'm sure my teachers thought I was just lazy and like, didn't want to bring the book or whatever it was, but I'm like, now this is all I can carry. It just like, it just shuffled through this Arctic to get to class. Oh, it was miserable. But, but like, I wouldn't change that shit for the world. I was, man, I was like, just thinking that whole thing. I was like, you know what? I, those moments, you don't ever hear those. Thanks for sharing that, by the way, that, that, because people look at you now and what you've accomplished. Like, there's been some of those crazy moments on the in-betweens. I don't ever think yeah. about them that much either, man, unless we bring it up. And I'm like, ah, oh, I forgot about that part. But yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it's so easy to to forget forget the miserable times. Like, and just remember the highlight reel. Like, yeah, right. That, um, but like, I mean, in the moment, like I learned some valuable life lessons there of like, hey, don't rush back. From, some, something as simple as don't rush back from an injury. Like, Get your body knows the time it needs. Let your body heal. As soon as you try making up for lost time, you lose more time. Um, but then just like grittiness too of like, yeah, it's not enjoyable. I don't want to be lifting on a empty barbell again. I'm, I'm 19 years old and I'm starting from scratch. Like I'm trying to be an Olympic hopeful right now. And I'm, I can't even lift my body weight anymore. So, um, so that grittiness, um, but then, then there's the lessons that I didn't realize were valuable until after the fact, um, you know, like now, bro, there's not much that can derail me. You know, it's like, I look back at how just like sad, depressed, hopeless I was when I was going through that and where I'm at now. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like, thank God. God, I hurt my back. Thank God I went through that shit. Thank God my my weightlifting career didn't pan out the way I wanted it to because I would have never found CrossFit. Like say I had pursued like like after my surgery, I came back from weightlifting. I hit all my old like I beat all my old PRs, but I had lost love for it because I trained off resentment. Yeah. And and so like resentment's a good fuel, but it's a hot burner fuel. You can't use it for too long. And uh and so you know, I walked away from that, but like, if I had, if I had made the Olympic team and then I, I could put like a stamp of completion on that, on my sports career, and then I would have gotten a desk job as an engineer. Um, but because it didn't pan out that way and like it, I still had this competitive itch and that's what made me find, find CrossFit. And I'm like, Oh fuck, I wouldn't trade the life I have now for any of that stuff. So anytime like there's a speed bump, I'm like, man, if I got through that shit and like, this is, this is the end result of that situation, bring it on. Let's go. Yeah. And th there's, and there's been, there's been a lot of situations and like a couple where some bad shit happened and it wasn't even like, okay, this is going to be a rough, rough hole to dig myself out of. It was, I don't know if I can dig myself out of this. Yeah. I don't know. It's not, I don't know how to, it's, I don't know if it's possible. And, and in the moment I remember just being broken, hopeless, 
but still thinking, I wonder what good is going to come of this. Yeah. I wonder like six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, what silver lining is going to show itself from this situation. You know, um, you know, the, the easy example is like heartbreak of like a girlfriend dumps you. And then however long later it is, you find, you meet the person, you're like, oh, <laughs> you're the one. Yeah, right. And, it, and it's one of those situations where like, thank God that girl dumped me. Like, right. but like going from that hopeless, hopelessness to like, oh man, you, you're now thanking your ex-girlfriend for doing that to you and put you through that miserable time because now you found the one that you're supposed to be with, you know? That, that's just the easy example because I feel like that's the one most people experience. Sure. You know, applying that, leveling it up, leveling it up of just like, okay, you know, if I got through that shit prior, bring it on. Like, let's go. Give me the speed bumps. Give me the challenges. Try to derail me. That's why that, that, that age is ranked thing. Because as you go through it in the beginning, that's why it's the beginning. It's one hell of a ride. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, it is. And then when you when you get through it, just like we explained earlier, it's like everyone else just kind of fan. They, the reason it was chaotic is because there was people there that weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So And, and when, it, when it starts to settle down, then you know who your class is, who's supposed to be around you. And then you it, it, it becomes yeah, clear. You know, and, Most people can't that, see that. that was, it just figures itself out. It like, that, works that itself out. Thing, like, when, when I was doing weightlifting and it was like, when I was doing well, when I was winning competitions, all this stuff, it was like, everyone's there when you're doing well. Sure. And like they're everyone's there to pat you on the ass and they want to be associated with the winner. But then, you know, when, when I, when I hurt my back and it was like people I thought were my friends, I'm like, yo, I need you now more than ever. Um, you know, and you see like who kind of pulls away and then go hitches, hitches their wagon to the new, new flash in the yeah, pan. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, when I came in, we came into the sport of CrossFit, it was, uh, I, I was very like a very much like a solo person. I was like, no, I don't want a hundred friends. I don't want this big posse. I want, I want one person with me that I know what they're going to say before they say it. And it's, vice versa, you know, like it doesn't matter what they get offered. The grass is not greener on the other side to them. And, and I held that true all the way through. So all five years that I won, I have the same picture after each competition and we're holding, holding the check. I'm wearing the gold medal and I got Sammy, uh, my wife on one side and I got Matt O'Keefe on the other. And it was like, yep. Like if you, if you, want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, bring a group. But I was very, very selective with who that group was because I was like, I want to sleep well. And I, I want to know that they have my best interest and I have theirs. And I don't, I don't need to account for a hundred people. I don't need to pull favors. It was like, I'm going to be loyal to the people that are loyal to me. Yeah. And that's, that's those two. 100% man. And then the, the experiences of going through all that is just to solidify it, like hammer it in. Mm-hmm. It's like you, it, you know that that's a time-tested deal, uh, and that's uh, I think at a young age, and the most of the stuff now it's crazy when you get kids online, bro. Just wait, 
is that <laughs> all, all this stuff that we talk about right now it makes sense when we go back and forth just when we were sitting around I was like man you know start talking and the stuff that you say of how you motivate yourself or what moreover what you have to go through it's kind of what motivates us because we know how much pressure that is yeah and then when it, when it's time for us to pass that down to the to the next generation to, the ones that are coming up, man, the way we deliver it, that's how you know if you pick something up is if you can teach it to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. If you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't know it well enough. It's not logical. <laughs> We're talking about, man, yeah. I can, you know, you can say something, like explain something one way and everyone gets it. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, someone else has another way of explaining it to where only a couple people get it. A couple people kind of understand it. A few people don't even have any clue what it is. And that's the one they want to go with. But everyone's yeah. like, hey man, they're 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 it's not that I'm not explaining it the same way you are. I am. I just explain it this way to where most people and everyone can can hear it. Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, that's like, hard I'm, to I'm, do. I'm I'm experiencing that now, like, you know, switching from like being a competitor into the role of being a coach. Coach, yep. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and we're working with some athletes and and I, I know, I know I'm a good coach because I didn't pick up on things naturally. I like, I didn't just pick up a barbell and go, boop, I'm an amazing weightlifter. No, it didn't come naturally to me. So like it took, it took someone trying like 20 different things with me to, to get that one cue. Um, you know, like something as simple as swimming, it's like swimming didn't come naturally to me. I had to, I had to seek out multiple swimming coaches and all of them were telling me the same information but one just told it to me in a way that clicked. Yeah. And so now when, when I, when I take an athlete in and I'm working with them, you know, sometimes the first way I explain something, the way that clicked with me is what clicks with them. But then I also know like, okay, I got another dozen ways of explaining this or a dozen different drills to do that. Like, yeah, they did nothing for me, but I know them because I tried them all. Right. Like nothing. None of this came naturally for me. Yeah. You know, it. um, but trying trying to find that one thing that just for whatever reason, boom, clicks. that's yeah, the trigger or the or the trick, right? I, w- I was explaining this. I was trying to explain the same concept to somebody else, and the way it got to me was when I started teaching my kid addition. We were going over the mm-hmm. nines. It was like nine plus eight, nine plus seven, nine plus six. And for the longest time, I would use my fingers and and try to figure that out until someone was like, "All right, so whatever nine plus seven, what's under seven is a six. So you put a one in front of sixteen. Nine and five is." 14, 9, 3, 12. And I did when they told me that, I was like, wait a minute, that's the trick? And they're like, yeah. I was like, there's actually a trick to everything. Yeah. But what, what people don't teach you is that. Like you, like you and I, if we're sitting around, someone's like, hey, man, Matt, how did you come great? Well, I get up every morning at 4, and I meditate for 97 hours, and then I, you know, we, that there's the outline, right? But then yeah. there's also your gift. That's what your gift is. And when you when you realize your gift in your in your sport or your moment – it's that that's the greatest thing you can get because it, especially if you give it to somebody, they're like, man, this is how I figured this out. So I've, you know, I've always like, people always want the, the quick, the punchy, the sexy line of like, what, what makes you different? What makes you great? Like, why, why are you winning by this certain amount, whatever it is. And, and there's so many variables. It's a, you're dedicating your life to it. You know, there's no quick, simple thing. But the thing I came up with was like the most valuable thing. And I think it's contributed the most is learning how to learn. And for me, for me to learn a topic is different than my wife is different than my friend is different than my athlete. 
but me being able to dissect myself and, and figure out the formula, like, okay, I don't know this. Why don't I know it? What about it? You know, makes me uncomfortable. What, what about it makes me unfamiliar and knowing how I best react in my best learning environment and breaking it apart, dissecting it, figuring all these things out individually, and then reapplying them all. You know, I, I learned that shit in college and then I apply it to everything. And now it's like, how you do anything is how you do everything. And like how I learned how, how to do uh, thermodynamics and mechanical engineering applies to me learning how to have proper rowing technique when I'm competing in CrossFit. It's the same as me, you know, learning about investing in real estate, business, all the shit. It's like, well, no, let me break it. Like, I don't know how to do that. And most people, that's where it ends. They just go, I don't know how to do that. And for me, and like a lot of successful people, it's like, they go, I don't know how to do that. Well, what about it? Don't I know which, which individual piece? All right, let me break each one of those down, figure that out. Yeah. Then put it all back together. Do I know it now? Nope. All right, let's break it. You know, uh, know that, so that, yeah. that, that's right, that for me, I, I look at is like, that's my, my trick is the ability to learn the willingness to learn the willingness to be a beginner, but learn once I learned how to learn, that was a very valuable thing for me. Well, know thyself, know how mm-hmm. you learn. I think a lot of time and now that you, you watch the kids and we were in class too, I didn't get like that one size fits all. This is how we're doing this, man. If you, yeah. if you could actually explain it every different way to when they understand it, because that's the thing It's like when you're trying to teach something and they're like, man, I'm, I'm not getting that. There is a way to explain it to them. It's like there somehow, yeah. some way, there's some instructions that allows you to to communicate like that, and it's it's brilliant. Yeah, like, and the cool part is the, the the more you do it, and the more people you come around, it 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 gives you more ammunition. I mean, damn, bro, you know that yeah. stuff that we those crews we've been running around with doing all that fun stuff, man. I'd sit and listen to them talk, and the, the stuff that comes out of their mouth is hilarity. But I mean, it's all it's knowledge for sure. I mean, any any time I have have the opportunity to be with someone that is the, that is an expert in their craft. Like I have buddies that are, you know, our careers have nothing in common. Like I have a buddy who's one of the best welders in the world. I have a buddy who's like one of the best table makers, the best snowboarder, like all these different things. And it's like, every time we start talking about like our careers, how we got into it, our passions, anything, they're fucking parallels. They're the exact same. It's just, we're applying it to a different, different Avenue. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hilarious. Like I've, I've talked to some other athletes that our sports have nothing to do with each other, but like the psychological game sure. that they play with yeah. their competitors were identical to the ones that I played. And I remember, I remember one specifically a uh, buddy of mine. Um, he was talking about like him warming up for like a half pipe event and and these games that he plays with his competitors and Sammy is cackling to the side because she's watched me do the, the exact same thing, but in a CrossFit gym. And she was like, holy shit, you two are two peas in a pod. It's just he slides down a hill and you pick things up and put them down. Right, right. Like, he, he, you're the one that picks things up and builds the hill. He's the one that goes up and slides back down them. That's, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> bro, when you start putting those crews together, that's how you know, that's life. Like, cause each one of you has something to do and you get out there and like, man, I go do this. Cause I love to, to watch them do what they do. And, and, and that kind of, mm-hmm. that's where that bond comes in. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's where like, that's where the, I mean, it, it can either be great or dangerous. 
Sure. Like you put a bunch of competitive people together and be like, hey, here, here's a boat. Who can go the fastest? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, we're, well, we're all like-minded. <laughs> we're all uh, we're all competing. Well, <laughs> I would imagine that's how everything around us has been built. Hey, bro, like we ain't got nothing to do. Let's get yeah. a boat and paddle over there and see what we can build, do. or but I mean, go how far back you want. I got countries have been built and fallen over that same. Let's go find yeah. something to do. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I got one more question for you. We usually kind of wrap the podcast up by asking someone what their greatest never quit advice is, but I think I have something that might be more relatable for our audience. And I think it's something you could speak to, which is how could people manage their nerves when they're on a big stage or when they're faced with a moment of, of adversity or when they feel like they've got this huge goal that they've got to accomplish? How do you handle yourself? Oh man. I mean, this is a good one. I mean, I can, I can, talk about this one for a while because i think there's a lot of misconceptions around it of you know when someone says you know i'm nervous or i'm scared whatever it is um you know having an emotion and letting that emotion uh dictate your actions are two completely different things every single event that i did at on a big stage i i threw up like right before going out you know so like you're in the warm-up area, you know, 15 minutes before your heat gets called, they they call like, all right, heat four, everyone over here. And then they put an ankle timer on you and they put you in corrals like, like you're like a racehorse. And so you're in the order that you're going to go out on the floor on. And every time we would get in the corrals and, and my nerves were so crazy that I just started dry heaving until you just hit it. And then, <laughs> and then hit it. A lot of times, a lot of times competitors would be next to me. Like if, if it was a, if it was a rookie, they're watching me and they're like, what the fuck is happening? And, and I think a lot of times some athletes saw it and they're like, oh, he's nervous. Good, good. And my manager who had my coaches been every year, he would like, if I didn't throw up, he'd be nervous. Right. As soon as he saw me dry heaving, he was good. He's ready. You know, it was just such a normal thing. And I think for some they have those nerves and they, they cower away from them. They go back to that place that's comfortable to get rid of those nerves. And for me, I was like, well, no, who gives a shit if I'm scared? Who gives a shit if I'm nervous? Like if I'm insecure, whatever it is, having those emotions dictate your actions are a totally different thing. And not once did I ever cower away. Um, and just knowing like knowing the confidence, like, Hey, like you're nervous. If you go out there and you're nervous and it takes you 10 minutes of fumbling around, it's going to be the same 10 minutes as if you ran away, you know? So it's like this 10 minutes is going to pass no matter what. So for me, it was like looking at a workout, I'm like, all right, this is going to be an eight minute workout. This is going to suck. This is going to hurt. At no point in it, am I going to be having a good time or like this? <laughs> so it's like, I, I can, I can think about back. that. I can, give out, half, right? I can give a half effort and, and make this workout last nine minutes, but it'll hurt a little bit less. But knowing that, all right, 10 minutes after the workout is done, you're going to be fine. Your heart rate's going to be down. You're going to have your breath back. You're going to be getting a sip of water. Everything's going to be good. You can either choose to make yourself proud in that, in that workout, or you can regret it for the rest of your life. Um, and, and I was fortunate enough to have that, that laid out in front of me early in my career where like I chose the, the instant gratification, the path of, you know, oh, I'll go a little bit easier right now. And I saw the pain and anguish that it caused me thinking like, what if, what if I just gave it my all for that extra, for, for that eight minutes, make it hurt a little bit more. Maybe I wouldn't 
be disappointed in myself. And so always knowing that like, for me going into a workout, it was like, all right, this workout is 10 minutes in 20 minutes. I'm going to feel fine. I'm going to be back to my normal self, enjoy myself, joking around with friends. But I have the choice of if I want to make myself or be disappointed about, about the effort that I put forward. Um, so literally no matter the situation I'm going into, I think about, all right, what do I want to think back on the situation? What, what do I want my emotions to be on the situation tomorrow in a year, in 10 years? Do I want to be proud of the effort I gave or do I want to just take the instant gratification and kind of, you know, not give it my all. That's amazing. Cause sometimes, I mean, there are some things I got into man or, or, or training that, that we did it when we were young that we do all the time now. And it's, it's like so much a part of our life that you don't even notice it. It's like, there's, yeah. there's some things that you can get good at and you can get proficient at some things that, that, that happens immediately. And then sometimes it takes practice to where, yeah. where, I mean, just to get that repetitive thing going, I tell my kids two weeks, I'm like, man, you want something? Wait two weeks. If you still want it, I'll get it for you. Yes. And then there's, yes, that there's, is, that is, I, I learned that about myself. Yeah, yep. I'm the same way. I'm a two. I'm like, I'm no like, hey man, let, get, right? Yeah. Like, let me go screw and, this and up the, for a while, play with it for a little bit, and then I'll get back to you if we, if we still mm-hmm. want to go. And then that's also about the time when you, I remember when we would get like when we were hurt, right? And you're trying to come back in out of that, and that after two weeks, it's that's that's when your body gets the weakest. It's it's like when when you think you look the most out of shape, and that's that's almost life and your body saying, hey man, we do this for a living. You sure you want to do this? And then <laughs> if you just go that extra day, it's like, yeah, all right, now you're in it. And someone will usually recognize yeah. it. They'll be like, hey, man, you know, have you been doing this? And then that, that perpetuates the, the body. I've always heard that, or you hear it a lot, like mind, body, and spirit, mind, body, and spirit. There's some people born into this world, they're body people. Like, what gym do you go to? What martial art do you train? And why? I was like, well, man, it talks to my body in this way. I'm like, all right, well, why the, there's the mind people? Like, why do, you, why do you educate yourself in that building? Why those books? Because we're all different. And then with the spirit, why that church? Why this, that, and the other? I mean, if you were yeah. so involved with your mind, if you work on all those other two, you can't even believe when you put all three of them together. Most people yeah. go through their lives doing the one or the two. Very rarely do put, people put a much effort into all three. Like guys like us, man, we get into something and we wholeheartedly just, whoa. Until we get it so good that, that our everything, all those others learn automatically. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's kind of like, it kind of, for me, I know it goes back to like, how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, like, rarely do you meet someone that takes care of themselves physically, but they're not, they're showing up late to work. Or right, yeah, yeah, you know, they, they're not putting effort into their relationship or whatever it is. And so it's like, when you meet one, somebody that's successful in business, and then you like, Oh man, you have the the greatest relationship with your wife. You you're great with your kids. You know, like your business is thriving. You're you're smart. Like you're amazing. You're, how you do anything is how you do everything. It's not that that person just like everything they touch happens to turn to gold. It's that oh, I like for me. No, I work hard in the gym, but that also means when I was in college, I worked hard there. When I had a job, I worked hard there. When yeah. I with my wife, I work hard there. You know, so it's just making sure I'm the best can. I'm trying to be the best at everything. And all that is, is just a result of working my ass off at anything that I decide, like, this is a value to me. So I'm going to apply effort there. Um, yeah. And I remember, I remember having, having those friends growing up, we are like, man, everything you touch turns gold. And it's like, no, they just work at everything. Yeah. <laughs> I work so hard. I dig all the crap out around it. And the gold was already there. That, that kind of thing, <laughs> man. It's just for sure. You've got a brand new book coming out this new year. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? 
yeah, you know, that was, uh, um, that was kind of like my first project, uh, in, in retirement. You know, I, I knew I wanted to take on some projects, uh, stepping away from competition and I was like, All right, I got to have some ducks in a row things to like occupy my mind. Cause we're gonna have a lot more free time. And, uh, and so, you know, the book was kind of like one of the obvious choices and it's so, it was so many things that I've wanted to say, um, you know, rarely do you meet someone that's good at something and they don't enjoy talking about it. But for me, it was my competitive edge that I had figured things out and I didn't talk about it. I didn't want, I didn't want to help my competition. I didn't want to, you know, give them advantage of like the knowledge that I picked up over the years. And so this book is literally just, uh, a book about that of like these little things of how I approached different styles of training when I was bad at something, how did I, how did I get better at it? Um, for competing, you know, these little these little tiny things yeah, in competition that a lot of competitors never pick up on. They walk out on the floor and they're like, okay, I need to go as hard and as long as I can. And for me, I'm looking, I'm looking at, all right, how can it be as efficient as possible? Where can I gain a second in this 10 round workout? Um, so, you know, it goes into basically everything in my competition career of, you know, what I ate, how I structured my life, the training I did, how I competed, how I looked at competition, how I, worked on weaknesses and it's just kind of all the things that I've wanted to talk about through my whole competitive career, but it would have been a big disadvantage to me if I, if I gave my competitors, my playbook. So as soon as I stepped away from the competition floor, I was like, all right, here we go. Like you guys want to know the secrets. Here's, here's what I did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it comes out, um, you know, it's on pre-order right now, but it, it uh, gets released January 11th. I'm sure mine's already here somewhere, Melanie. One of you guys probably already. They're, they're going to send it to us. Where it's signed. They just reached signed. out to us. Just make you'll, sure. You'll be getting your copy. You know, yeah, hey, bro. Yeah. I, yeah. H- That's awesome. Hey, man, we're, we're going to take yeah. care of you for sure. Is that the name of the book? Yeah. Yeah. HWPO. I always, I mean, you said something earlier. kind of hit me. I, when, when, when we were growing up, when they had those, the cross training, like the, the, the athletes, Gen X, you know, like everything that we do is, is cross trained into something else. Mm-hmm. And yep. I was talking to some of my buddies, and when they were saying, you know, when we get out, you know, going into being a the family life is kind of difficult. I was like, well, we don't ever get out. It's like everything we learn, we just keep adding on to it. Yeah, like we're, yeah, we're just we're, applying we're, it to a to whatever a we do. Thing. Yeah, being a husband, you know, being that, doing no matter what we do, any, everything is everything, right? Anything mm-hmm. is everything. So it's it's like kind of what do you put into it? And a lot of times, man, it just take those. It's a step by step process. It's not a everyone can look at what you've got in front of you and be like, man, how in the hell do you do that? And it, but yeah. it's like, man, this just didn't happen in a second. It took a time. This took some time. Yeah, I forget I forget who it was, but they said it took me seventeen years, three months, and two days to become an overnight success. Yeah, and man, that, and, you know that that's how I looked at my CrossFit career of you know like in relative terms, I came on to the scene very quickly. Um, but it's like the reason I was able to come on the scene very quickly is because I had a 10 year Olympic weightlifting career that allowed me to hit the ground running. Now I wouldn't have had this, like, if if you want to call it instant success in the space, if it wasn't for that 10 years of training every single day, and then I came into space. And then even after that, it was still three years till I won my first world championships and uh you know 
a lot of hours and it's not every day that you're in the gym with a group. It's not every day that a camera's on you making a highlight reel. You're, I'm in my, my basement alone. I'm in my garage alone, just hammering my head against the wall, trying to figure this shit out. Yeah, man, if people had to watch that, I don't think they'd be, they'd, they'd probably hate it. That's the grind it, it, part. It's that instant gratification you were talking about. I was like, Hey man, let's yeah. see. Look how good that's, that's what they like watching the, the, I, I remember like when I was still competing, you know, people ask like, are you going to, are you going to release your training once, once you're done? And I was like, honest to God, I, I don't know because I don't think people would want to do it. It's yeah. not, it's not the sexy stuff. It's not the, the stuff you've seen on the competition floor of, you know, transitions and all, I'm like, it's all single modality. It's so much technique work. It's so much just removing as many variables as I can to give a full effort on this one singular task. And that's it. And then do that shit 10 times a day, seven days a week. Yeah. And then after 50 weeks, you get, you get three days in front of a crowd to cheer for you. Yeah. No, that's not where that, it, no, it's, if it was just that, it wouldn't be worth it. It's like, man, we yeah. actually like that, that grind part that you're talking about. Those moments where it's repetitive cycles just, and then the, the applying, applying it in, in there and letting everyone see it is, is that's a reward. Yeah. Too, though, like, man, yeah, like sure. if, if you just showed up and applied zero effort to something and then found out you're incredible at it. Yeah. You might Wait, do it, but yeah, it's I mean, like, you, you don't, you don't value it the same because right. you, didn't, you didn't invest anything into it. It's when you have, yeah. have this reward at the end of a just grueling day that that's that's where the the sweetness is oh for sure man matt thanks so much for coming on man we we really appreciate you oh, coming I, on and I, chatting man. with us man. absolutely <laughs> hey what can Dude, our listeners do, what can our listeners do to support me. you guys support you and what you got going on uh right now you know my my biggest uh my biggest like platform biggest communication is uh just instagram uh matthew fraz matthew with one t f-r-a-s um but yeah that's it. We'll do it, man. We'll get that book. We'll push all that stuff for you, bro. It's good seeing you, man. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. So glad we finally got this got this line up. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. If you like today's episode, if you think it will help someone in your life, make sure to share it with them. You can download the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. If your friend asks you, what is a podcast and where do I get it? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you could possibly think of, the podcast is there. Until next week, never quit. Never quit.